Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. As well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Alarmingly close to pitchers and catchers reporting. Frighteningly, crazily close. What, Tuesday, Bruce Levine? That's it for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Wednesday for the Chicago White Sox. It is officially baseball season this week, as you said, Matt Spiegel. Hot damn. I know you are headed out to Arizona on Monday and will be out there for a while. I and so many others from the score will be out there in early March and the team's coming. It should be uh, should be very, very interesting and we're looking forward to talking to listeners today about spring training. Absolutely, and uh, we are always uh, listener-friendly here at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He'll read all the ones that are nice to him and uh, <laughs> he'll hide the ones from me so I don't get angry. And... Uh, <laughs> We're we're also going to talk a little bit about um, still this Mookie Betts trade that is not made yet, uh, this huge trade that is still held up, and as well as A.J. Hinch uh, interviewing with Tom Verducci of MLB Network uh, uh, yesterday and the uh, some of the uh, interesting takes on A.J. Hinch admitting uh, that there was uh, sign stealing going on, wrongdoing going on, and that... He wasn't in support of it. All of that here, part of our hour and 45 minutes. We're a little short with you today till 1045, then DePaul basketball. And a couple of guests in the second hour looking forward to Cole Wright, um, who is uh, going to be one of the hosts on Marquee on the Cubs network. A guy who grew up in Joliet, grew up a Cubs fan, gets to come back to the Chicago area and be part of things over at Marquee. We'll get to know him a little bit at 10 o'clock. And then Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey, the Hall of Famer, the White Sox legend, Indians legend too, but a White Sox legend in this town. Looking forward to talking to Jim. Right. Special assistant to the front office of the White Sox and also MLB Network contributor will be joining us to talk some baseball. And uh, it's going to be uh, a fun week. Uh, I always look forward to the opening of spring training. And uh, we are asking you and we will discuss the hot topics going into Cubs and White Sox spring training. In other words, what are your top uh, topics going in, Matt Spiegel, as far as Cubs camp and White Sox camp? Yeah, we're going to throw open the phone lines this whole hour to you. And as Bruce mentioned, we'll talk some about A.J. Hinch, the delayed trade, the MLB Players Association statement where they make it clear they're unhappy with the delayed trade and other things. The perversion of arbitration is the phrase. I can't get out of my head. But, um, but yeah, let's throw open the phone lines. so dirty. I know, it? doesn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. also a really good yes album, I think. Perversion <laughs> of arbitration. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We're going to talk to you. As Bruce mentioned, 
What are the topics that interest you the most in terms of Cubs spring training and White Sox spring training, which begin this week with pitchers and catchers? The topics and uh, and items for dissection that interest you the most for the Cubs and Sox. 6711 via text, 312 644 By the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's, the top deli restaurant and bakery in Chicagoland. They invite you to what they call soup season at their Northbrook location. While most call it winter, Max and Benny's invites you to soup fest, matzo ball, chicken noodle, kreplach, sweet and sour cabbage, and a different veggie soup seven days of the week. Max and Benny's Checklist, the best deli, no doubt. The best full restaurant, without question. The best full bakery, you bet, it's sweet. Max and Benny's has a uniquely special new meeting and special event space that can accommodate 50 to 150 people, parties, celebrations, meetings. Max and Benny's is your catering king. Ask for John at maxandbenny's.com for great deals. Complete dinners seven days a week, 4 to 9 p.m. Features skirt steak, chicken, the freshest fish in Chicagoland, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. Uh, maybe my favorite sports news moment of the week is when like three different White Sox fan friends texted me, hey, is this Arenado to the Sox thing real from the other <laughs> night? And I went to Twitter, and uh, the tweet I grabbed was yours, Bruce. It said, uh, the Sox have never talked to Colorado about Arenado. Absolutely brazen BS. And I, I forwarded that to a couple people. It's amazing what can and, happen out there. And the guy on... At this Twitter site, I'm not. We're not going to give it out uh-huh. because it's not worthy of the promotion. Uh, said I if it came back yesterday and said Dylan Cease is in the trade. Five other White Sox players are going, <laughs> and if as, if this doesn't happen this weekend, I will take my site down. <laughs> well, you know what? I I have news for you. It's not going to happen. Uh-huh. And he also has an MLB logo on his site. You know how much it costs to have an MLB logo? He's not paying it. Yeah. He, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if that site is actually up. So, again, I don't, I don't negate uh, information from anybody anywhere. I, I follow it. I, I follow up on it. Yeah, but it's I not, did it's, in this circumstance. But that's not real information, though. It's somebody trying to pull one over and have yeah, be famous for 10 yeah, minutes. It's a part of, it's a part of the, the gig these days. Yes, you know, it is. I mean, we had it with the White Sox, you know, with Asuna, you know, a couple of months ago. You know, he was coming to Chicago and there was going to be a Monday press conference. Mm-hmm. He was going to be signed. That was, what, in January or late December, January? Uh, so... That's a part of the job now. You have to follow that, and you have to respect everything that you read. And unfortunately, when it's not right or it's careless, um, you spend your time and energy, and people say, you know what? I believe this, and you're wrong. So that's that's the way it goes. That's social media for you. This hour is brought to you by Way Back In. Um, incredible stuff yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, an exclusive from Jared Diamond about the Astros sign-stealing scandal, how it began in the front office as something called Code Breaker. They themselves referred to it as their, quote, dark arts, unquote, And some of the stuff in there, like the one guy who was trying to get a contract extension who said, you know, I think we all know it would be better. He said, uh, I know the secrets that made us a championship team, some of which we definitely feel a lot safer if they were kept in-house. And they did this at home and on the road. It's even more indicting, isn't it, Bruce? 
Yeah, and you know, for the former president general manager to say that he still is uh, unaware of any of this going on, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's, you know, wh- what kind of BS do you want to believe out there? I mean, for him to separate himself from the rest of this, at least AJ Hinch gave it his very best uh, yesterday when he talked to Tom Verducci uh, about all, all of this and the fact that uh, he's contrite. He's apologetic. He says that he's fa- he failed at what he was supposed to do, and we'll we'll listen to that at some point mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, uh, it, and it's just it it leads to to bigger and broader questions, which we will discuss. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. All right, well, you start us. Um, most interesting topics, the hottest topics for you coming in with Cubs and Sox this coming week. It's a no brainer at Cub Camp, right? One, one A, one B, one C, Chris Bryant, right? How he reacts to the off season of him being talked about being dealt, how people talked about him turning down huge amounts of two hundred, maybe two hundred and fifty million dollar deals, how uh he looks at uh whether or not he's gonna be a cub all year long. Um all of these things are gonna be the hottest topic of spring training. Forget about just Cub Camp. I think you're going to see most of the national people in there in the first couple of days as well, talking to trying to talk to Chris Bryan about where this stands because it's such a pivotal player. Uh, it's pivotal time for the Cubs organization. Talking about a homegrown number one pick, a a rookie of the year, a an MVP, uh, integral part of the World Championship team. Uh, being dangled out there possibly to be going and being what might be the first part of uh, a new look to the Chicago Cubs from here on out. Hmm. It's uh, He had an event in Las Vegas the other day and spoke uh, a, a little bit there, uh, declined to answer questions about the grievance, about the player's grievance, because um, in deference to the Chicago media, said, you know what? Those guys have wanted to hear it. I think I'll wait till spring training to talk about that, which is kind of a classy thing Very cool. Well, that's Chris Bryant. Uh, he's always been a, a class guy. He's the type of guy that if he says he'll meet you at uh, State in Madison at uh, 7 a.m. on Wednesday, the 25th of May, he'll be there at 6.45. That, that is just... You know, I've I've arranged interviews with Chris for a next day or the day after, and he is the one coming up to me, reminding me what the time was. And I mean, it's unprecedented, you know, how much this guy gets it. So uh, I'm not I'm not surprised by that, but uh, he he takes it a long way for establishing what spring training is going to be like, uh, the inclusion of the Chicago media, more importantly, the inclusion for the. Chicago fans to get the information straight from the sources they normally get it from. Mm-hmm. So, so Bryant will show, and that that topic of his level of comfort, whether he's going to be here, how much of a distraction the trade talks have been, what his plans are in two years, that that kind of stuff. Most people have dismissed the possibility by now of him being traded before opening day. This has been a crazy. Crazy offseason with the Mookie Betts deal coming so late here in February and still not completed, obviously. But everything else that's gone on, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that a deal goes down between now and opening day. Do you? No, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, 
I still think the Atlanta Braves, uh, for some reason, I mean, Philadelphia needs a third baseman. Atlanta needs a third baseman. They both have young third base candidates that are highly thought of. Uh, they could be a part of a trade. But um, those two teams, the Texas Rangers in need of a a big middle-of-the-order bat uh, if, they've, if they're going to compete, uh, there's still likely candidates out there. Um, so I don't think this goes away. I don't think Theo Epstein, the man that he is, will back away from the fact saying uh, we always have to listen no matter what because uh, our, our goal is to keep the Chicago Cubs viable moving forward and what's best for, for the team now and the future. Mm. I think that is transparent. I, I think maybe people get tired of it and it sounds cliche, but I think it's reality of what the situation is right now. And for the White Sox, uh, hottest topic for the White Sox? <laughs> I, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, how does Ricky Renteria handle a loaded team that's expected to win or, or come close to winning for the first time since uh, 2008 going into the playoffs or uh, competing since actually uh, May of 2016 and before that uh, the entire 2012 season? It's a, it's a huge undertaking for a guy that was brought in as someone to uh, – be able to help teach and be patient with young players as they built, as this rebuild started, Matt. And uh, now he's got to put on a different hat and be the manager of a team that's going to compete for a championship. That's going to be incredibly interesting to watch all year long, right from the get go, because Ricky's never been in this situation with a team that's expected to win. And, and and now we get a chance to watch and dissect every little thing, and he's welcoming it, he's bringing it on, and we'll see. It's interesting. It's not necessarily where I would have gone for number one in spring training, but it makes... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, uh, there, there's, uh, and we're going to go right from mine to yours right now. What are your topics uh, going in for both the Cubs and Sox? I ju- just for the White Sox, let's check out Luis Robert. Here you go. How good can he be? Um, how comfortable and productive can he be right here from day one? What do his defensive abilities mean to some bumpy corner outfielders? Um, and, and what kind of offensive skill set is he bringing? But to me, the fact that he's there from day one, the same as Eloy last year, that clarity is a beautiful thing. So looking forward to seeing Luis Robert um, integrate with his teammates immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe the most exciting player in spring training camps anywhere this year is Luis Robert. Pretty high up. Five-tool guy being compared to, you know, you hate to you hate to say it, but, you know, I think – Eloy Jimenez came out and pretty much said he might be Mike Trout of the future. Um, that's a rare air out there right now, but certainly he has great ability. Uh, I think, you know, some of the subtopics I'll get to, but what's your number one Cub uh, camp situation? You, you know, we've talked so little about him all of this offseason because of um, economic questions, CBA and Bryant rumors and extensions unsigned and stuff. But what is David Ross going to do? to get more out of the same group of guys. They, they, they believed that what has been missing since Ross left is exactly what he brings, that kind of edgy um, uh, accountability that comes with uh, some intensity as well. It's not likable Grandpa Ross. It's, uh, you know, a, a, an accountability, but it's likable. So the likable accountability that he brings, I think they believe that they're going to get more out of some of the very same guys who they've been disappointed by. Matt, uh, of the big players on the Cubs, uh, who do you expect to have better seasons? You know, I'm talking about Baez. I'm talking about Rizzo. I'm talking about Bryant. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Contreras. I'm talking about Schwarber. None of them had bad years. Uh, there were injury plug years that ended Baez's season very early. Uh, but if you look at the Rizzo-Bryant numbers, they're scary how similar seasons that they had. Okay, very consistent with each other other than RBI. Uh, RBI, you know, was uh, 15 or 16, something like that, more for Rizzo. But everything else, the numbers are consistent all the way through. Uh, Contreras, except for that month off with the hamstring, was having a pretty damn good year. Uh Him and Baez were the the offensive thrust of that team in the first two and a half, three months of the season. Mm -hmm. So which one of those guys are you expecting – to have MVP type season. Well, it's it's KB that interests me the most. It's Bryant that interests me the most. Uh, but it's also situationally Baez. It's situationally Schwarber. And he started to do this in the second half of the year. Started going to the opposite way and shortening up with two strikes and things like that. It's those kind of selfless um, a- actions from, from an offense yeah. overall that they didn't really go for with as much uh, with as much collective zeal as, as they need to. And I think Ross is really going to try to get them to see it that way and try to win more than try to get numbers for yourself. Do you remember your reaction the day Baez went down and they said he was going to be out for an extended period of time? Because to me, that was the end of the Cubs season. 
as far as the uh, the main offensive guy, main defensive guy at shortstop, the guy that is the energizer bunny of the Chicago Cubs. To me, I said to myself at that point that making the playoffs was probably going to be a long shot without him. And I, I put it more on the defense than the offense because he is such a magical player on defense making plays that other players can't make that I thought that would have, that would be enough for them to probably miss without his energy and defense at that position. 670, the score is where you are. We'll take a break, come back, and talk to you guys. 312-644-6767. Hottest topics that interest you the most for Cubs camp and Sox camp that both get rolling this very week. And we will talk about the Astros sign-stealing scandal. You'll hear from A.J. Hinch and much more this hour on 670, the score. You got inside the clubhouse on 670 the score. It's baseball season, regardless of that snow you see outside. Game on, people. You'll hear from A.J. Hinch later in the hour. Uh, But Bruce Levine is on his way out to Arizona in just a couple of days. And uh, the Cubs and Sox will begin their camps with pitchers and catchers this week. And we're talking to the listeners about topics leading into camp. It it is exciting. And, you know, the the interesting thing that some of the – topic will be about is who leads off for both teams Mm -hmm. who is your leadoff man Matt Spiegel for the Cubs and the White Sox if you have to make out the lineup today Uh, right now as constructed for the Cubs I just go ahead and put Rizzo there I do it he's he's easily the best at it he's easily the most comfortable I know it's awkward seeing uh, a somewhat slogging run producer up there at the top, but he's the guy who adjusts and gets on, has consistently long at bats, and he's the one guy who has not crumbled when he's been faced with that situation psychologically. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I understand it, and he's like you said, he's been successful at it. But you're taking such an important guy out of the three spot, you know, arguably not necessarily only your best hitter, but the most functional hitter in situations. When it goes 3 being able to manipulate, uh, choke up on the bat, hit the ball the other way. Yep. But, you know, your point is a great one. I mean, he's he's the one that hasn't, uh, you know, shrunk when uh, when times were big at leading off. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we, they've been chasing this leadoff guy since uh, Fowler left. Yes. And they haven't found it yet. No, they have what not. What about for the White Sox? Um, for the White Sox, at this point, I'm Moncada and Anderson at 1-2 with Robert down at the bottom of the order, yeah. given time and patience to develop. So, I mean, it's another thing. I'd, I'd rather have Moncada at 2 or 3. Um, so, but, but he seems to me to be the right guy. I'm real interested though in magical. I got to say, I, I, I mean, somebody with that bad control, depending on how quickly he makes this team, it, yeah. it doesn't freak me out to think of him at the top. Yeah. You know, down the road, uh, a lot of people are looking at, um, maybe Luis Robert as the magical guy that can, uh, hit a single, steal a base, score a run or hit a home run to lead off the game. Or just be totally impactful scoring from first on a uh, on a double, all, all those things that make great leadoff men. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen at the beginning of the year. I get, it's already been guaranteed that he will be slow rolled into the lineup once he does make the team. Six seventy, the score is where you are. Let's go to the phone lines. This is John Rolling Meadows. You're first up inside the clubhouse. Hey, John. Hey guys. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the White Sox do this year. I, I'm happy they picked up Encarnacion. There's an RBI bat they can put in the number four spot every day. Um, as far as the Cubs go, who knows? Maybe um, you trade Chris to Atlanta. You get a pitcher that you sorely need in your rotation. And who knows? Maybe somebody they can pick up that can play second or or maybe the outfield that mm-hmm. can lead off for you. Because um, I agree that, uh, you know, uh, they've had a problem finding a, a permanent leadoff man. And it, it's hard it's hard to do if you're not used to it because it seems easy to do, but there's a lot of, that's probably the biggest pressure spot on the team is that leadoff guy, because it's that first at bat of the game. Thanks John for the call. I think they've admitted Bruce that they've looked at leadoff kind of dispassionately and try and try to think of it as just, just another spot. But they realize now that much like closer has to be comfortable with the ninth leadoff has to be comfortable. Yeah, Especially with their failure in that spot last year. Uh, I mean, I'd been bringing it up to uh, Theo Epstein at his uh, closing comments at the end of each year for the last three years. And he said, sure, you know, we'd like to have a, a natural leadoff man, but it's not our number one priority. He changed that this year. He said, it was a top priority for them. But so far, you know, we have plenty of time left, but uh, there, there's no change. There's, there's nobody that's ideal for the position uh, with the team right now. Let's go to Ron on the south side on the score. Hey, Ron, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, not too much longer. Not too yeah, much longer. Yep. Two things. Uh, yep, two, two things looking forward really to the upcoming season. Uh, uh, first of all, um, Dylan Cease, guys. Dylan Cease was a minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, and we saw last year so a lot of that potential. Then we saw there were innings when he struggled. Uh, we pretty much know what, what um, Dallas Keiko can do. I think we're starting to get a feel on Giolito. But that's the guy because this team is going to go pretty far as much as they're pitching. Looking forward yeah. to that. And then lastly, um, the closer, Alex Colerae. I think he'll – Hopefully he'll get a lot more opportunities. They didn't trade him; they held him uh, for this reason, you know, for the, for for close games. So just so much. Um, Luis Robert is, is definitely an obvious, but uh, I would say I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, um, Dylan Cease guys see what he has. Thanks, Thank Ron. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, I mean, look, you can make a great argument for Cease, but you can also make an even better argument for can Giolito repeat what he did last year? Is he the ace? Is he the all-star game starter? Is he that guy for the next six, six or seven years? And for me, it's Lopez, okay? Because here's a big arm that had a really great, you know, the wins and losses are no indication anymore. A really great 2018 19 uh, games that he threw were um, quality starts. And then last year he starts out, has a tremendous April and early May, and then fizzles, gives up the most runs in baseball last year. Uh, so I think I think Lopez is is a huge key to uh, what the White Sox are going to be able to do, Matt. Uh, you know, because starting rotation to me is still everything. You know, it's nice that Lopez is, is going to be – 
you know, he's not. A, he doesn't have to be thought of as a one, two, or three, or even four on this staff. Just go ahead and show up. I mean, he's got the stuff to be up there, obviously, but he can just be thought of as a as a five, really, at this point. I, ideally, if this team wins eighty five to ninety games, Matt Keuchel should be your number four. Uh, Gio Gonzalez should be your five. Mm. Uh, turning it over to Rodon late in the season. If everything works to perfection for the White Sox and hmm. there's growth. I believe that that is that makes this team the playoff contender that some people are talking about. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. One week from today, the first 2,500 fans for the Chicago Wolves game receive a Wolves reusable tote bag, courtesy of Pet Supplies Plus. For tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Bruce, we talked about Luis Robert and the intrigue and one of the prospects to be watched all around baseball, and he is there on just about every list of who's going to make the most impact. Gavin Lux of the Dodgers is a guy that a lot of people think um, could be the best rookie out there. And this Brendan McKay of Tampa Bay, who's got a little two-way possibility. We saw him a right. little bit last year. Some uh, some very good young players, again, coming. Yeah, absolutely. And May with the Dodgers is considered uh, the top Oof. pitching prospect. You know, everybody's asked for him in any type of trade mm-hmm. scenario, including this last one that's still held up with uh, with bets and, uh, you know, with uh, with – David um, Price and the and the rest of this group still up in the air, but nonetheless, uh, the Dodgers, you know, seven division winners in a row. There's no reason to think they're not. It's not going to be eight, especially if this uh, bets trade goes through. Oh my God, the 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 lineup, just the ridiculousness of those bats to slot in the the options that Dave Roberts has. Yeah, and, and you know, with bets, you get a, a true five tool player that's going to make your defense better. <sighs> that's going to be uh, somebody on the bases. I mean, he had a. Uh, a a subpar season to his 2018 season when he was the MVP and it was still a great year. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how good of a, this is a top three player in major league baseball. So um, quite an acquisition for not very much, but again, that, that trade is still dangling because of some medicals. You know, it's um, that trade as a concept and how the collective bargaining agreement, the competitive balance tax is acting as a de facto salary cap is really interesting because when I think about it in, in total, Bruce, they set this up for themselves. The owners built this in, got this in there to set this up for themselves, to protect themselves so they could keep profit margins high and not have to necessarily keep spending and spending and spending because they could, theoretically. But now you have you have a top. You have a top, and these big market teams, as we're seeing with the Cubs, have to deal with restrictions, you know, different restrictions, but they have to deal with restrictions of their own, just like the lower income teams do. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like the uh, Yankees took the governor off of their uh, spending control. And right. That's the only one. It up. But, you know, Boston and Chicago are right there. You know, Boston, Los Angeles, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, top four teams, revenue producers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the Red Sox and Cubs are pretty much on hold because of payrolls that have shot up there and uh, their refusal to go to the next level of uh, penalty and luxury tax. So we're seeing what um, the commissioners of baseball owners wanted for a long time, and that is true restraint when it comes to uh, spending in the game and setting us up for 
a knockdown, drag-out match between the union and the owners after 2021. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. Um, the Red Sox are spending $50 million in cash this year for players that are not going to play for them. David Price costs them 16 mil. Dustin Pedroia still hurt 13 mil. Pablo Sandoval, 5 mil. And this name, I, I forgot they're still paying. Rusny Castillo, right. $14 million. Because they signed that seven-year deal, and he had never played, and it was an absolute. Did bust. you name Price in that? I did sixteen yeah. mil and Matty sixteen. Were, sixteen. It's, no, it's going to be in the trade. It's going to end up being forty million. Uh, but but that's total. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah but you're just talking about this. Just season. talking about this season. Right. Fifty million just for this season, and that's why they had to do this. Yeah. Well. You know what? The price of winning uh, seems to be astronomical right now, as far as. If you don't have the young players coming up to fill those roles, uh, you're going to have to take a step backwards. Mm. This segment is brought to you by Kenosha Subaru. Back with a lot more on Inside the Clubhouse in a matter of moments. I hope over time um, it's proven that it wasn't. But I understand the question. It's a fair question. And people are going to have to draw their own conclusions. Unfortunately, we opened that door as a group. And, and that question I may never be answered. We may never know. And we're going to have to, to live and move forward and be, be better better in the sport. But unfortunately, no one can really answer that question. I, I can't pinpoint what advantages or what, what, what happened or what exactly would have happened otherwise. But we did it to ourselves. I think we can figure out what some of the advantages were, A.J. Hinch. Uh, knowing whether the pitch is fast or slow is a big help for a, for a ball player. Knowing uh, even on the road that there was some technology helping the team out. Woof. Pretty insidious. So we're going to hear more about that eventually. But, uh, you know, I give Hinch credit for standing up and taking some credit. And at the same time, uh, it's hard for me to hear a manager talk about the fact that players were doing something insidious that was really wrong and that he objected to it. But didn't put a stop to it. Yeah, he said that a few times in there that he tolerated too much. And we know he hammered the monitor with a bat. But what he didn't do is like hold a team meeting and say, hey, we're going to stop this, guys. And and you know what? It really shows you where the manager stands these yeah. days, doesn't it? We talked about that off the air, you know, before the show. The fact that um, there is not uh, the teeth in that manager's role any longer where you know people take them as seriously as they used to. And it, I think it was pointed out, certainly in the 2017 World Series, with uh, some of the decisions that Dave Roberts made mm-hmm. and um, how uh, the metrics department was controlling when people were coming in and who, when people were coming out and how some of those things blew up in their face. Right. You know, the Rich Hill situation. So uh, from that perspective, you know, managers – uh, you know, their their ability to be in control has certainly eroded. So uh, we'll see how it works going forward. But, you know, with front offices and metrics departments having so much say-so, you wonder how much respect the managers do get from those players when they hear, no, you shouldn't be doing this any longer. Well, part of their role, the manager's role, has increasingly become to act as a conduit between the intelligence, the analytics, and some of the information that is provided and the players. And that's, I get it. And yeah. you're a partner with the front office. But so you're, you're a runner. Oh, yeah, well, that's the thing. Here we have 
a system that was that originated in the front office and went right to the players and just went right. around. There were intermediaries, but there it wasn't the manager. It went around the manager, and then he's got to decide. Am I going to shut this down and piss off my own team? Well, and and then all, all of a sudden the players become empowered because they believe they're in control yep. of this metric and it's working. Yeah, well, and that's and, a- and we're and we're winning because of it. So AJ Hinch, get out of the way. Our bench coach, Mr. Cora, and the rest of us have this whole thing handled. Yeah. So there's your intermediary, is Alex Cora, and it's like, and what's incredibly clear as we've gone along here is that. Certain front offices, especially the Astros, obviously, thought of the sign stealing as just another bit of intelligence, just another, yep. just like dissecting um, pitch sequence from the opposition and using that to try and predict what's well, coming. You know, it's always been there, Matt, but uh, not to the extent of uh, electronically controlled as it is now. Mm-hmm. Not it, it's, it wasn't real time like it is or was with the Astros. So. That's the insidious part, certainly, and the fact that um, the most important thing of all this is, remember, Matt, don't get caught. Yeah, yeah. That's it, because it would still be going on if you didn't have Mike Fires. Yes, it's true. But this art of uh, uh, pitch recognition, data tracking that began outside of the game, then has found its way into the game, and then based on the scruples, of guys in suits, they use it or they don't. That's why Keuchel said at SoxFest, all this technology is fantastic, but um, if it's going to be fair, everybody should share it Mm. all the time. In other words, give us what you got, but let everybody do this form of intelligence, this form of metrics work, this form of cheating, so that it's no longer considered cheating. It's just who does this technical side of baseball best. And the commissioner came out this week and said, we're going to have some long talks here in spring training about eliminating more and more real-time work in these uh, in these rooms for all the, all the uh, teams. There we're going, go. we're going to, there's not going to be real time in the ballpark for, for teams to be able to cheat. There should not be. There should not be. You got to you got to eliminate it uh, as an option for everybody. This is Mark and Cicero and inside the clubhouse and 670 the score. Good morning Mark, how are you? Good morning guys. Uh I look forward to your show every morning cuz baseball is my favorite sport, but my two comments are is the only reason why AJ Hinch is sorry is because they got caught number 1, but if you listen to the interview and they asked him the question were you guys wearing buzzers yeah. in 2019? And A.J. Hinch did not give you an answer. What he, he said, said was, I'll, I'll defer to the commissioner's report, is what he said. Exactly. And he knows what's going on in the clubhouse because he smashed the cameras, so he knew they were cheating. I don't trust them. I think they're all lying, and I don't wouldn't be surprised if they're wearing buzzers. Thanks, Mark. I, I appreciate it. I, I I think Bruce that like this latest stuff and the yeah. way Hinch responded to that stuff, all of the crazy theories, all of the stuff, it, it's all possible. Yeah, of course. And and again, uh, is this the first time that they've that electronics have been used by teams to cheat? I doubt it. I doubt it. I think mm-hmm. I think it's been dabbled in before. It's just that the the Astros suffered because a they got caught, but b might be important. They were so good at it. Yeah, this is uh, John in Oak Lawn on the score on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, John. 
Hey, guys, love the show. Um, just wanted to give a few comments on that Hinch interview. It was absolutely pathetic. He didn't call out any of his individual players. Yep. And obviously the last caller um, talked about the buzzer scheme, which it seems like was going on. Um, I think MLB and the media doesn't cover it. I'm, I think everyone's looking out for one another because it's all one big family. Um, I think you guys are doing it right now, but Bruce, I, I think every week you don't really think this is a big deal. You you just brushed over that blackjack McDowell with the socks cheating like it was nothing. And I think it's on you guys to just bring light to it and, and keep it going. Well, Thank I you. I certainly I brought it to the attention because he said it. Now, as far as McDowell not being able to tell us if they used it when he was there or not was a big question. He said Tony LaRussa brought it in, okay? Tony LaRussa was never his manager, okay? So he didn't he didn't talk about the managers that he had. He didn't talk about Jeff Torborg. He didn't talk about Gene Lamont. He didn't talk about uh, Terry Bevington uh, as being a part of this. He just laid it on somebody that he didn't have any particular uh, connection with. So I found that uh, kind of being a little bit you know, half-baked in itself. Well, yeah, maybe McDowell thinks that that's where it began before he even got here because a lot of people think that this Astros thing, it started before Hinch even got there. Them as a front office, they were thinking about it before he even arrived. But, But the caller is right. I don't think there's anything really new about cheating or using real time cheating as far as people watching the center field camera in, uh, different video rooms and taking that information and directly applying it into a game. I don't think there's anything new about that. Mm. What, what is new is that the technology was so good and that there were, there were, there were screens that players could use for real time cheating right next to the Houston dugout. Okay. That they were, they were using equipment in other teams, clubhouses and other, other teams, um, dugouts that's taking it to another extent yeah okay that's that's taken away beyond but this cheating with real-time cheating that's been going on for a uh, uh, 40 50 years now the importance of it right now is that the technology is just too good and houston got caught this is jeff in evanston on the score coming up next hour inside the clubhouse cole wright from the marquee network and hall of famer jim tomey will be joining us here on the show what's up jeff Hi guys. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just have a, a, a silly idea for, um, how they could solve the whole, uh, sign stealing, uh, dilemma. And that would be to, to have a catcher cam in center field that focuses on the catcher and have a monitor in each dugout. Right. And, and this will put the onus on the teams to maybe come up with a more complex, uh, way of, uh, you know, relaying signs. They, they, you know what? They do it already. Uh, Houston was suspect for the last four years anyways with other teams. Teams were changing their signals pretty often going in there. Mm. So it's not like these teams were unaware. Right, but what he's saying is interesting. To Instead of trying to take away the tech, the, the, the video, it. just give it to him. Okay, I, here I, you go. I, I don't mind that. I, I don't mind it either, but I, 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 because here's what I would do. I would kill visual signs, Bruce. But, but if you would, The sensor on the catcher's arm that goes to a wristband on the pitcher's wrist. What about just uh, being able to communicate uh, 
verbally with the catcher and the pitcher. Sure. Something like that. The death of visual signs. You don't deserve the kind of uh, um, above board sign stealing because you've gone to below the board sign stealing let, too let often. Them, let them mic up. Let them have their own particular language when they speak. And that's it. You know, um, it's fine with me. You want to take technology all the way? Let it go all the way. You know, I, I'm, I'm all for it. 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Good morning, everybody. Cole Wright next from Marquee. Let's talk to him about this gig, about the network, about the Cubs, and then Jim Tomey at 1020. All of that next on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.